Welcome to the preaching and teaching ministry of Mary and Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Hopefully by now you've found Luke chapter 6. That's where we're headed this morning. We are in our sermon series called The Life of Jesus. And we've been studying the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. And now that we're in chapter 6, we've been at it for a while. And as you can imagine, to work our way through the Gospel of Luke, it's going to take us a little while. But as I promised you along the way and from the very beginning that we would be in Luke for a while and then we'll take a break from time to time. We took a break for Christmas. We took a break for our missions convention. We took a break for some other things. So today we're going to be completing a specific unit of thought. So after today, we're going to take a short break from Luke, go a little bit different direction for a little while, and then we'll jump back into Luke um, a little bit further down the road. I often like to ask you a question to get your mind thinking about the direction we're going for the message. And so today, the question I want to ask you, I want to set up a scenario here. If you could imagine that someone comes to you, assuming that you are a Christian. I know we may have some people that are here today, some people that are watching online. You're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. And that's fine. We are glad that you are participating today, whether it's here or online. But if you are a Christian, let's say that you have a friend that comes up to you and say, you know what, I've decided I want to follow Jesus. And um, I've asked him to come into my life. I've asked him to forgive me of my sins. I've committed my life to him. What do I need to do now? I mean, I've been looking through my Bible and there's a lot of stuff in there. You know, there's a lot of stories. The stories are interesting. There's a lot of instructions in there. Scattered all the way through things that we should do and not do and and be and not be and things that have to do with our actions and our words and our attitudes and and all that kind of stuff. Where do I get started? How do I how do I live out this life? Can you just I, I mean, I know I need to learn it. I need to grow in it. But how, can you just summarize it for me? Well, the good news is that. Um, God and Jesus, when he came on the scene, did summarize it very, very, very well. Somebody asked Jesus one time, he says, what's the most important thing that I need to do? What's the most important instruction that God gave us? And he says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, and the second one, they didn't ask for a second one, but he gave it to him anyways, to love your neighbor as yourself. So a really good summary of how to live out this life, and we've got to figure out exactly how that works out, is to love God and love people, right? But today, that's not what I'm going to talk about. Actually, I did a sermon series on that back about a year and a half ago, I think, on the most important thing. But I want to tell you that that is significantly important. That's exactly what Jesus said. But I think that we can narrow it down just a little bit more just to provide a basis. We still got to learn how it all works out in our lives. And that's the title of I want to share with you today. And that is Be Like Jesus. Be Like Jesus. If we could summarize, what does it mean? To live a good life. To experience all that God has for us. To make a difference in our world with the end goal of trying to please God, we could summarize it in those three words, figuring out how that works and living it out, and that is be like Jesus. 
But what does it mean to be like Jesus? How do we go about being like Jesus? You know, there was a uh, kind of a fad thing that went around a number of years ago. Um, bracelets and posters and bumper stickers and all kinds. Of, it was WWJD. You remember that? What would Jesus do? And the idea was that as you lived your life and you approached the different things of your life, your relationships, your job, your school, you know, what you said, what you did, if you wanted to do the right thing, you could ask that question, what would Jesus do? And that can be very, very, very helpful. But can I tell you that being like Jesus is a little bit more difficult I don't make it complicated. It's a little more significant than that. It's a, it's a little bit deeper than that. And, and the passage we're going to be looking at in Luke chapter 6 today has some instructions that will really give us some guidelines on how we can live a life trying to be like Jesus. We're going to be picking up at the end of Luke chapter 6. And what we've been studying for the last several weeks is that Jesus is on a, Luke calls it a level plane, and he has, he has just chosen his 12 primary disciples and called them apostles, which means sent ones from all his big group of disciples. And he comes down from the mountain where he's been praying, and he does that, and it says a whole bunch of people have gathered together. He's got his 12 disciples, now apostles, plus a whole bunch of other disciples, plus a whole bunch of other people that have come specifically to hear him teach and to feel his touch of healing and deliverance. And it says that Jesus begins to teach them. And so we've been studying his teachings for the last several weeks. A lot of really practical stuff about how we live out this life if we're going to be a follower of Jesus. And today, we're coming to the conclusion of this particular teaching time. And as I said, I think the things that we're going to look at here can give us some real insight on what it means and how we can be like Jesus. In fact, from this, I want to draw four principles that we can apply to our lives to help us be like Jesus. We're going to look at the passage section by section um, as we look at each of the um, principles here. And the first one is this. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to follow good leaders. We need to follow good leaders. Let's look at Luke 6, verses 39 and 40. Jesus also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So here Jesus has two short pithy statements about leadership and about who we follow and what the end result will be like. The first one, he says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Well, actually, the answer to that question is yes. A blind man can lead a blind man, but should a blind man lead a blind man? No, (laughs) because they're both going to encounter tremendous problems. They're both going to fall into a pit. I mean, sometimes we look at teachings of Jesus and they're a little complicated. It's like, what did he really mean by that? We got to dig into the culture. We got to dig into the background, all that kind of stuff. But the things he's going to talk about today are very, very simple for anybody to understand. He says, if a blind man is trying to lead another blind man, they are both in serious trouble. And so this greatly illustrates that we need to follow good leaders. 
If you are following in your life a leader who is blind, you're going to be in trouble, even if you're not blind. But especially if you're blind in the sense that there's things you need to learn, there's a lot of things you don't understand, there's stuff you've got to kind of get on the inside, you've got to get from somebody else, and you're trying to get it from somebody else who doesn't have it. They're blind. They're going to lead you the wrong way. If we're seeking to be like Jesus, we need to follow a leader who's not blind in that area, somebody who doesn't know what it means to be like Jesus. So if we're following somebody like that, we're in trouble. We need to find a leader, not just a leader, but leaders, people who we look up to, people that we look to, people that we would say, you know what, I see in their life what I want in my life, and I want to be like Jesus, and I can see that they're trying to be like Jesus. They're not blind to this issue, so I want to follow them. The second picture he gives here, he says that when a student is under a teacher, he says a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. This is where I kind of got the title of the message today, Be Like Jesus, because the ultimate leader, the ultimate teacher is Jesus. And he says that if you are under a leader, if you're under a teacher over the long haul, you're going to become like them, okay? When you're fully trained, how many of you are already fully trained as a believer in Jesus? I'll put my hand down because I'm not yet either. I'm still in process and so are you. You know, what Jesus is talking about here is is what the basic meaning of being a disciple is. You know, it says that Jesus called people to be his disciples. There are people that just chose to be his disciples. And a disciple basically just means someone who is a learner, someone who's a student. But it isn't just to learn knowledge. It isn't just to say, that person's really smart. I want them to teach me what they know. It includes that. But a disciple is someone who follows and is under the influence of somebody else because they not only want to learn what they know, but they want to become like them. So disciples would choose a rabbi, a Jewish word that means teacher, to follow. And they would be be with them as often as they could, not just for a one-hour class a day or a couple times a week. And as we look at the story of Jesus in the Gospels, we see that his disciples traveled with him. You know, and they learned not only from when he stood and taught like we've been studying, but as he did things. And, and he included as part of his training, uh, sending them out to do things. But if we want to be like Jesus, we've got to choose good leaders. We've got to choose good leaders. And of course, the main leader we need to choose is Jesus himself. Jesus issued that call, follow me, and his disciples did. And he issues that same call to us today, follow me. But how do we follow Jesus today? Because he's not here physically. He's promised to be with us spiritually, but he's not with us physically. How do we follow him? Well, we do that by learning more about him in his word and imitating what we see in his life and what's told about him. That's one of the reasons we're studying the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. But the teachings of Scripture make it very clear that we can learn more about him and become more like him by following other people who are following him. In fact, Paul talked about that. Paul said to the people of his day in 1 Corinthians 11:1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
Some translations say, be followers of me as I follow Christ. Or just simple, follow me as I follow Christ. And he's not bragging. He's not full of pride. He's not saying, I've arrived. I'm the one you need to look to. You need to be just like me. He's, no, he's saying, listen, if you're having a hard time figuring out how to follow Jesus, to the degree that you see me following Jesus, that's what you need to do. And that's not the only place he mentioned that. He mentioned in a couple of other places about, you know, follow his example. Any place they see his example lining up with Scripture, lining up with what Jesus did. And, and it wasn't just him. He says, follow me or follow other people that you know are following Jesus. So we need to choose and follow good leaders. Now, I'm going to come back to this in just a few moments. But can I tell you that your leader or the people that you are following, what you are following is not just people. Okay? It's anything or anyone that has an influence on your life. And as you may be aware, it's not just people who influence you. Not just people that you're in their presence. Not just people that you know personally. It can be people through their writings. It can be people through their videos. It can be people through their works. It can be people through what they put on the internet that can influence. And we'll come back to that idea in a couple of moments because Jesus says some other things that fit with that. But right now we're just focusing on people. And so I want to ask you, who do you follow? Now, I'm not talking about, although it applies, who do you follow on Twitter? Who do you follow on Instagram? Who do you follow on Facebook? Who do you follow on YouTube? Although every single one of those apply because whoever you're following on those social media things, if you do it diligently, they are having an influence on you. Some of you are like, I don't even know what all that stuff is. That's okay. Just think of regular everyday people, okay? The people around you. Who is it you spend time with? Who is it that you spend time with something that comes from them? You may not even know them, but because of their writings, because of what, you know, some other way that they communicate, who are you following? If you want to be like Jesus, you need to follow Jesus and other people who are following Jesus and are trying to do it to the best of their ability. That's one of the things that we can do. That's one of the things we need to do. So who or what is leading you and where are they leading you? Let's go on to the second one. And this one has to do with being like Jesus, but just to apply the first point a little bit more in depth, you need to be a good leader. Same scriptures. You know, if you're following someone who's blind, and especially if you're blind in the area, you're going to fall into a ditch. If you're following someone, you're learning from someone, you're a disciple of someone, you're a student of someone, if you diligently pursue learning from them, you're going to become like them. Well, just flip that role and look at it from your own perspective as who are you leading and where are you leading them to? Who is learning from your life? Who are you influencing? And you might say, but I'm not a leader. But you know what? You may think that, but that's not true. Every single one of us are a leader to some people. We may not be in a position where we're in front of or over a lot of people, but there are people who look to us and who are influenced by us. It may just be our family, it may be our friends, but we have an impact to some degree on every single person that we come in contact with. But for the people that we're around on a regular basis, we have even more of an impact. So I want to ask you, who are you leading and where are you leading them to? If they're following your example, if they're trying to be like you, 
what are they going to be like when they get to the end of the journey? Can I tell you, if you're trying to be like Jesus, it's going to help them along the way to become like Jesus. As I said, Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Can you say that same thing? Can you say, listen, you want to live for Jesus? You know, I started with this hypothetical person who says, I'm a new Christian now. I want to live for Jesus. How can I do that? And you, so you give them instructions. You say, well, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, Pastor Tim said we need to be like Jesus. That's a great thing to do. And I want to help you along the way. I'm trying to be like Jesus too. So as you grow in your faith, as you grow in your understanding of what that means, any way you think I'm looking like Jesus, then, then follow my example too. I'm going to help you. Could you say that? If people were to follow your example of following Jesus, where would it lead them to? That could be a whole message, a whole thing that we meditate on and think about and try to apply to our lives. And I would recommend you do that. I've thought about it many, many times. If people look at me, and they will because I'm a pastor. And if they try to follow my example and my teaching and stuff, where is it going to take them? That is a heavy responsibility. That's why one of the reasons why James says in his letter, I just thought of this. He says, teachers are really going to be held accountable at a higher standard, higher level. Why is that? Because they have such an influence over the people that look to them as a teacher. But even if you're not a teacher, people are looking to you. Where are you leading them to? There's a verse that Paul wrote to one of the people. His name is Timothy. He was his spiritual son. What that means is that it was because of Paul that Timothy became a believer in Jesus Christ. Seems like that happened when he was a preteen or a teenager. Paul was traveling throughout what we know now as Turkey and went to the specific town. And, and Timothy gave his life to Jesus. And Paul went on his trip. And then he came back through at a later time. Timothy had grown older. He'd been serving Jesus. And Paul says, why don't you travel with me? And so Timothy became a spiritual son to Paul. He traveled with him. Paul trained him in the ministry and eventually sent him out to pastor and to do other things and that's why we have the letters to you know called first timothy and second timothy is paul's letters to timothy and he's giving him instruction on how to be a good leader how to follow jesus and how to lead other people to follow jesus a lot of great advice in both those letters but there's one particular passage i want to read to you first timothy 4 12 paul says let no one despise you or look down on you for your youth Okay, now Paul's not, I mean, Timothy's not a little kid. He's not a teenager anymore, but he's still a young man. And in their culture, you honored the el- those who were older. I said the elderly. You honored those who were older, and they usually had more wisdom and that kind of stuff. And sometimes if someone who was younger had a place or a position of authority, people wouldn't take them seriously because they weren't old enough yet. And Paul basically saying, Timothy, you've been trained well. You're in a position of authority. Don't let people look down on you or despise you because you're younger. And he goes on to say this. He says, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. That'd be a great verse to memorize. And something to pray over and examine your life. And say, Lord, for the people that look up to me. It may be a bunch of people. It may be only be a few. 
It may be people at church. It may be people in my family. It may be people at work. It may be people at school. But when people look at me, what kind of an example am I? If people want to follow my example, what kind of leader am I? And where am I leading them? And you look at those areas in speech. The things that come out of my mouth. The actual words, what they convey, the attitude, the tone What kind of an example is that? My conduct, what I do, my love, how I relate to people, my faith, how I relate to God, and in purity, my desire to just live a life that's pleasing to God. Those are all great things to think about. Because whether we want the responsibility or not, we are leading and influencing some people. So be a good leader. Follow good leaders and be a good leader. The next piece of advice we're going to draw from here, a passage we haven't read yet, but feed on good things. Feed on good things. Y'all know how to feed? Y'all know how to eat? Yeah, we all, we all understand that, okay? Feed on good things. Let's look at verses 43 to 45. You say, but you're skipping 41 and 42. We dealt with that last week, so it's the whole thing about, you know, don't judge other people. And, uh, you know, speck in your eye, log in your eye, all that kind of stuff. If, if that's interesting to you and you weren't here, go back and watch it online or listen to it online, okay? So, jumping down to verse 43, feed on good things. Jesus says, for no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now you listen to that and you say, well, pastor, where does that say feed on good things? Well, that's going to be the end result of what Jesus is saying here. Okay, again, Jesus is giving us an illustration. This one's not that difficult to understand. He says, if you've got an orange tree in your backyard, what do you expect to pick off of it when the fruit comes ripe? Oranges. Now, they didn't have oranges over there, so he didn't use oranges. He used, instead, grapes and figs, which were two main produce crops that they had. He said, you got a fig tree. When the fruit ripens, what are you going to get? Figs. If you've got grapevines, when the fruit ripens, what are you going to get? Grapes. You're not going to get something else. Because what something is in plant life is what it's going to produce. And he says that's just like people. What you are and who you are on the inside is eventually going to come out. Now, you can hide it for a while, maybe. You can cover it up. But what you have on the inside is going to come out. Now, what is this fruit he's talking about? When you study the idea of fruit through Scripture, you find that the fruit represents your character and your conduct. It represents who you are as a person and what you do, and they both influence each other. Who you are influences what you do, but can I tell you that if you start doing things that conflict with your character and you keep doing that, it's going to end up changing your character. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. 
If you have trouble with patience or loving people or whatever, but you start actively doing that, even though you don't feel like it, it'll change you on the inside. But the bad thing is, is that if you want to be a good person, but you start doing a lot of bad things, it's going to change you into a bad person on the inside because they're so tied up together. And one influences the other. Now, let me just throw this in real quick, that this principle is very, very important to help us choose good leaders. Going back to point number one. If we want to be like Jesus, we need to follow good leaders. How can we follow a good leader? How can we know what a leader, a good leader is? Well, we've already talked about he's like Jesus. But to add this principle in there, it says, look at the fruit of their life. What's their character like? To the best of your ability to figure that out. What is their conduct like? Does it line up with God's word? Is it like Jesus? Does it produce good? Or is there a lot of bad coming out? Now, now let me just throw this out there real quick that we need to be aware of. You know, both when we look at trying to choose a leader, look at the fruit of their life, but also looking at our own lives, realize that it takes a while for fruit to grow. And it takes a while for fruit to mature and to ripen. So I'm not trying to say that you need to try to somehow find a perfect person to follow or that you need to start today being a perfect person because there are no perfect people except Jesus, okay? But when you're looking for a leader and you look at their life and you don't see growth, you don't see change, they, they got a lot of mess going on and it's just getting messier. Probably not a good person to follow. And when you look at your own life, if you're like me, you've got some messes you're still trying to clean up too. But the thing is, are you working on those? Are you, are you growing? Are you becoming more and more like Jesus? So there is more good coming out of you. So when we want to apply this to our message today, to be like Jesus, if what is inside is what's going to come out, and everybody's going to see, at least eventually, and if... We produce what we are, what determines what we are? If what is inside is going to come out, how do we get the right things on the inside? The first thing is, follow good leaders. See, all this stuff is tied together. If we want to be like Jesus, it's all tied together. So it's who we follow, and it's who we allow to influence us. And to get to my point, so you can know how my point relates to this story because it's not anywhere it's what you feed on you see you're going to become on the inside what you put on the inside let me give you a couple of illustrations here you've heard that phrase you are what you eat if you want to be healthy one of the things you need to pay attention to is what you eat. If you want to be strong, one of the things you're going to give attention to is what you eat because what you eat, what you feed on, tremendously impacts your physical existence. It's health, it's strength. And the same thing is true spiritually. I want to give you another illustration. Pastor Jen, would you bring me... Um, I don't need the bag, just what's in it. Okay. Y'all know what this is? It's toothpaste. Any of you use it? <laughs> I'm not going to ask if any of you don't use it. Toothpaste. Got this out of our bathroom in our office this morning. Holgate Total. That's not an advertisement, by the way. So, what's inside here? 
Some of you don't want to answer this because, Pastor Tim, I know how you do things. Sure as the world, if I say toothpaste, there's probably not toothpaste in here, okay? Well, actually, I think that there's grape jelly in here. Um, doesn't look like grape jelly. Tastes like toothpaste. Toothpaste. Toothpaste in a toothpaste tube. Who would have ever thought? Because it's toothpaste. And when you squeeze this, what's going to come out is what's inside it. You know, sometimes when we're talking about what's inside of us, we can cover that up to a degree. But you know what? When life squeezes you, what's really inside is going to come out. But, got some good news. Got some really good news for you. If you have toothpaste at home, but you'd rather have grape jelly, just get a big black permanent marker and write on the outside grape jelly. And then when you open it and squeeze it out, it'll be grape jelly, right? No. But why is it that we think that we can go through life and call ourselves a Christian and not be concerned about what we're putting inside of our lives, knowing that that's going to come out sometime? Like I said, you can cover it up for a while. You can hide it for a while. But whatever you are putting... You want to take this back so it's not distracting? Thank you, my lovely assistant. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) We can cover it up for a while But what's inside is going to come out And what's inside is what you've put there So what are you feeding on? You want to be like Jesus You need to feed on those things That are going to help you be like Jesus This is what I mentioned briefly before It's what influences you It's what you bring into your life What comes into your life through your senses What you see and watch, what you hear and listen to, what you read, what you're involved in, that's what you're feeding on. It includes music, TV, movies, the internet, books, magazines, people, any kind of input that comes into our lives. Now, we live in a world that is full of pollution, and I'm not talking about ecologically, although that's true, but spiritually and intellectually and all that. You cannot go through, like, you can try to isolate yourself as much as possible, and you're still going to end up coming across stuff that's ungodly and all that kind of stuff. And if you're out there in the world, you young people in school, out there in the workplace, going out shopping, whatever you're doing, you're going to come across ungodly things, and you cannot avoid that. But what I'm trying to say is we need to avoid deliberately bringing those kind of things into our lives. You know, if you've got a bucket of dirty water and you really need a drink and you want to drink from that bucket, the best thing to do is to dump it out and flush it out with clean water. (laughs) You know, that's something we can do spiritually, you know. I'll be honest with you, we need to take time every day to kind of flush our system. That's one of the great benefits of spending time with Jesus every day in his word and in prayer. Try to flush our system of all the ungodly stuff that comes our way and then fill it back up with good stuff. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that's the only way you do it by spending your time every day with God in prayer and His Word, but there's so many other things. It's taking a good look at everything that we deliberately put into our minds and into our hearts. 
If you've been around any amount of time, you know that I'm not what, the, what they used to call a long time ago a clothesline preacher. So what's a clothesline? Some of you are not old enough to know what a clothesline preacher. A clothesline preacher is basically someone who's going to stand up here and tell you exactly what you can listen to and not listen to and watch and not watch and all that kind of... I'm not that way. For me, there's some things that are pretty obvious. A Christian really has no business being involved in and watching and listening to. And there's some stuff that's on the other side that, man, every Christian would benefit to watch this and listen to this. But there's so many things that are in between in a really gray area. And that's where we need to learn discernment. Now, I'll stand up here all day long and say, we need to be like Jesus. And we need to live a life that is pleasing to God. And we can only do that if we guard our hearts and our minds. And, we're very, and that's what I'm preaching about today. And watch what we're putting into it. And you need to become mature and learn what it is that's going to help you become like Jesus and what's going to hinder you and get that stuff that's going to hinder you out of your life. And not make excuses for why it's okay. That's a battle. That's a decision. That's a discernment that each and every one of us have to make. My wife and I face that all the time. Once a week, maybe, maybe twice a week, we've got a free evening. We'd like to sit down and watch a nice, clean, entertaining movie. And unless... It's a totally Christian-produced movie. There may be stuff in there that's objectionable, and we have to make the decision, are we going to watch this movie or not? And we've got certain guidelines and standards we go by. We start watching the movie, we read the description, we watch the trailer. Looks like it might be okay, but if we start going through there, and all of a sudden one of those things that's on our radar pops up, forget it, we're not watching this movie, let's find a different one. Because we've chosen, we want to guard our mind, we want to guard our heart, we want to feed on good things, and we don't want to feed on stuff that's going to hold us back from being like Jesus. And every single one of us need to make those decisions. And we need to do it honestly. What are you feeding yourself? Is it something that's going to help you be like Jesus? Or is it going to keep you from becoming more like Jesus? The fourth and last one is this. Don't just listen, obey. Don't just listen, obey. Let's look at verses 46 to 49. You may very well be familiar with this because this is one of Jesus' more well-known stories, parables, pictures... He used it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He uses it at the end of this sermon here. Some say that the Sermon on the Mount and this sermon are the same one. It's just Lucas is a summary. Some say it's a different one. It doesn't matter. I imagine Jesus preached a lot of the same points and used a lot of the same stories everywhere he went because they were good stories. They were good messages. They were good points. But here in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? That's a serious question. If we claim to be a follower of Jesus, a Christian, a believer in God, a one of, why do we call him Lord if we're not doing, willing to do what he tells us to do? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep. And laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. 
But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. A little bit of background to this story in the land of Palestine. They only get much rain during certain times of the year. And you're praying all the time, Lord, let us get rain. Lord, let us get rain because we need it for our crops. We need it for our herds. We need it for this. We need it for that. But you would go for a long stretch of time where there'd be very little of any rain. And there were places that actually were kind of green, looked really nice, be a great place to build a house. But if you weren't there year round, you didn't realize that the reason that that area was kind of green was because in the rainy season, there's a stream that goes right through there. But during the dry season, it dries up. So you might say, oh, this is a great place to build a house. And so you build your house, and then the rains come, and the streams come, and it's right in the middle of the stream, and the sand gets washed out from underneath it, and your house is gone. But if you want to be wise... Or if you're in the know, it's like, okay, that looks like a really nice place, but I need to find some place that I can dig down to where there is solid rock underneath this. And it's going to be above the the flood when the rains come. And and so I'll go down to that solid foundation and build that. And then when the rains come and the floods come, and even if there's a flood over the banks and it reaches the base of my house, my house is fine because the foundation is solid on the rock. But you know what? To build a house on a solid foundation on the rock under the sand takes time and it's hard work. And some people don't want to do that. And some people do the same things with their lives. They don't want to do the stuff that's hard and takes time to have a solid foundation in their life. They'd rather be quick, easy, live for today. This is what we're going to do. This seems nice. But then when the storms come, When the floods rise, they've got problems. What is this storm? What is this flood, this this water that comes in our lives? With two things, I think. I think one of them, while we're in this life, it's the pressures and the temptation of this life. We build our houses. We build our lives. Everything seems good. I want you to think about something. Both of these houses before the storms came looked good. If you just look at the outside, everything's cool. They could look exactly alike, even be built by the same builder on a different foundation. But when the pressures and temptations of life come, the foundation is revealed for what it is. Going back to the previous, what's inside comes out. You see, they're all tied together, aren't they? The foundation is revealed because if you've got a solid foundation, your house is going to be okay. But if you don't, it's going to be knocked down. Well, how do we have a solid foundation? What did Jesus said? say here? Verse 47, he says, Everyone who comes to me hears my words and does them. Three things. Come to Jesus. Listen to his words. And then do them. So let me ask you, how often do you come to Jesus? Now, I don't mean like your parents used to say, you're gonna, he needs to have a come to Jesus moment. Okay, those are, those are helpful too, if we really need one. 
But how often do you come to Jesus? And how do you do that? If you're here today or you're watching online, you have come to Jesus in one form or fashion because you're in church or you're watching a church service online and you know there's going to be worship to God and Jesus and there's going to be teaching and preaching about Jesus. You've come to Jesus today. Yay! Is Sunday the only day you come to Jesus? Do you try to squeeze him in a little bit here and there throughout the week when you don't have other things that are more important or more pressing? You say, oh, nothing's more important. But you know what? It's really important to you shows up in the time, energy, effort, money, and that that you spend on it. You can say all day long that my relationship with Jesus is so important to me. But the truth is revealed by the time and the energy and the effort you put into that relationship. How often and how do you come to Jesus. Can I just challenge you? Don't let it be just when you have a need, just when you have a crisis. We're great at coming to Jesus when things are falling apart, and he welcomes us. We're great at coming to Jesus when the water's getting high, when we don't know what to do, when we don't have the resources we need. We've gotten that bad report, and he welcomes us to come to him. Sometimes that's why he lets those things happen, because he knows it's the only way he's going to get our attention. And the only way we're going to come to him. But he wants us to get so far beyond that. My wife said this many times. How would you feel if someone who's supposed to be really close to you only talked to you when they wanted something from you? That's not a friend. That's not a loved one. Let's not do that to Jesus. So we come and we hear. And I ask you, do you hear Jesus? If you're here today, you're watching online, hopefully you're hearing Jesus. Now, you may not be. You can be totally distracted. You may be sitting there thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. And if you have thought that in a fleeting way, don't feel guilty. I mean, you know, I've even thought about lunch. But, you know, I'm just saying. But what are you focused on? Are you hearing Jesus today? We're talking about what he said. Are you hearing that? Are you saying, Jesus, what you said and what Pastor Tim's trying to explain, how does that apply to my life? Are you hearing Jesus today? Are you putting yourself in a position to hear? Are you listening? And here's a good question too. Are you listening in every area? Because we all have our favorite areas where we don't mind listening to Jesus. And usually it's the areas we've already got under control. Yep, I'm living for Jesus in that area. I'm already doing that. Preach it, pastor. I love it when you preach on that because I'm already doing it. And the people that aren't, they can feel guilty, but I don't have to feel guilty. But we all have those areas where we don't have it under control yet where we're still battling temptations and maybe some disobedience and we're not applying what we know we're supposed to do. It's like, don't preach on that. You don't want to listen to that. Are we hearing Jesus? Now, I want to make something very clear. Jesus says that both types of people come to him and they hear him, but only one takes the next step the most important step and that is to do what he says see sometimes people will come to church watch it online whatever maybe they're involved in spiritual things say well I'm good to go because you know I'm putting myself in a place where I can hear and I'm doing this that and the other but if we don't do anything about what we've heard it's pretty much worthless We can look good on the outside, but our house is going to fall down. 
When that flood comes, I didn't finish my thought actually earlier. What is that flood that's in this life when the trials and temptations come? But it's also at the end of our life. When we stand before God and we are judged on what we've done with our life. It'll have to do with the foundation. So are you doing what Jesus says? Hearing is not enough. You know, knowledge is only useful if you put it into practice. A word we don't necessarily like sometimes that fits this is obedience. Hearing plus doing equals obedience. And Scripture has a lot to say about obedience. Now, let me be very, very clear that it's not by obeying and trying to do all the stuff that we can figure out to do that God's Word says that will allow us to have a relationship with Him. Because unfortunately, the Bible says that since we are sinners, no matter how hard we try to do good, we fail And there's sin in our lives, and it separates us from God. The Bible says we are all sinners already, not one day, but already separated from God. We're born that way, and we cultivate it all through our life. And Paul said in Romans that the wages of sin, what we've earned, what we deserve because of that is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. That separation from God for all eternity. But he goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And to put it in a nutshell, the teachings of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, the life of Jesus and what came out of it, Jesus, God himself, always has been God, always will be God, was God while he was here on the earth in the form of a man, came to earth as a man, lived the perfect life that we cannot live and then died a death that he did not deserve. And the Bible says that that was all the plan of God from even before he created the world. That Jesus would die and that his death, because it was undeserved and it was perfect and he was perfect, could pay the price for our sins if we put our trust in him. And as I started out the whole sermon today saying, if you've got a friend that came to you and said, hey, I'm a believer now, I'm a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, how can I do that? That's how you start the process. You don't just one day say, hey, Jesus, I'm just thinking I'm going to follow you today. I mean, that's a good thing to do, but, but until you realize your need for a Savior and get that taken care of, doing all this other stuff is great, but it's not going to save you. But thankfully, it's very, very simple. We just come to God and say, God, I am a sinner. I know that because of what your word says, but I know it because of who I am. I don't even keep my own standards, much less yours. Would you please forgive me of my sins? I know I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. But your word says that that's why Jesus died, was to pay the price for my sins. Would you please forgive me? take over my life. I want to surrender it to you. I want Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to live for you. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be separated from you anymore. And I certainly don't want to be separated from you for all eternity. And then we put our trust, our faith in what Jesus did for us. And we begin to live that out. And that's where we started the message today. We begin to live to be like Jesus. And so Jesus is ending it up saying... That it's great that you come to me. It's great that you're listening to me. But it's only going to have some benefit if you actually do something about it. You're only going to be like Jesus if you don't just listen, but you obey. 
And it is a serious thing. Jesus, in one of the places he was teaching in John 14, verses 23 to 24, he told his disciples, if anybody loves me, he'll keep my word. In other words, he'll do what I say. And my Father will love him, we'll come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And you can flip that too because of other things that are said that if you don't have, if it's not your desire and you're, you're not, your effort to try to walk in obedience is a good sign that you don't really love Jesus. No matter what you say or what you think about yourself. In 1 John chapter 2 verses 4 to 5, God speaking through the apostle John says, whoever says, I know Jesus, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in it. That's, that's some serious stuff. It says, you know, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. I love God. But you're not trying to live the life he has for you. You're lying to yourself, if not anybody else. Because it's not so. He says he's a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. That's why James can tell us in his teaching in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says if you think going to church, reading your Bible, listening to good Christian podcasts, watching good Christian YouTube stuff, bringing all this stuff in, 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 but you never do anything about it and you think you're okay, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Again, a very clear picture. It's James this time instead of Jesus. James is Jesus' stepbrother, his half-brother. And he says, if you go and you listen and you take it in and you take it in, but you don't do anything about it, it's like the person that gets up in the morning and they got the bed head and they got the stuff all smeared all over their face and they got, you know, gunk coming out of their eyes and they look in the mirror and say, oh, I got to do something about that. I'm too busy. And they just go off into the day and they look exactly like that way all day long. I'm so glad that none of you did that this morning that I can tell from up here. We would never do that. He says, but you know, if you go through life listening and listening and listening and you don't ever do something about it, it's basically the same thing. You're going back to what he said in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Can you think about what, the, what a contradiction that is? What does the word Lord mean? It means you're in charge. <laughs> I'm totally surrendered and submitted to you. Whatever you say goes. How can you call me that and then you don't do what I tell you to do? You don't do what I ask you to do. Now, this is not meant to be something to beat you over the head with, but just to get us to look at our lives and say, God, am I really trying to do what you want me to do? If you could imagine having a physical problem, going to your doctor, and your doctor diagnoses your problem and says, hey, they've got some good news for you. We can take care of this, and this is what you need to do. And they give you maybe a prescription or something you need to do physically or whatever, and you leave, and you do absolutely nothing about it. And you go back in a month and say, doctor, I still got this problem. And the doctor says, well, did you get the prescription filled and take it like you were supposed to do? Or, or did you do these things you were supposed to do with the exercise and the physical therapy? Well, no, I, I didn't. I just didn't feel like it, didn't want to, didn't have the time. And the doctor said, well, why are you coming to me? You know, we do that with Jesus sometimes. 
He's given us instructions and principles to live life to help us. We're still going to face difficulty. We live in a fallen, evil world, and sin's going to, you know, sin's going to mess us up, either our own or somebody else's. And and you know, the devil's out to get us. And and that's not meant to be paranoid, but he is. You know that kind of stuff. So we're going to still going to face some difficult things. But Jesus said, God wants us to walk in victory, like we sang about this morning. God wants us to have an abundant life in the midst of this mess, and then a fantastic eternal life. But we miss out so many times because when the problems come, we look at what God has to say and it's like, that's too difficult. I don't want to do that. We do that with our finances. We do it with our sexuality. We do it with with our relationships. We do it in so many areas of life. And God's like, why are you coming to me asking for my help? I've told you exactly what you're supposed to do and you've totally ignored it. You know, everything else is worthless if we don't do this. We need to come to Jesus. We need to hear what he has to say, and then we need to do it. You know, this whole section of Luke's gospel, I told you it's about Jesus teaching on the plain. And um, it starts off in verse 47. I'm sorry, verse 17. And here's the description of how this all started. It says, And Jesus stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people who came to hear him. And to be healed of their diseases. So as we're now at the end of this particular teaching session of Jesus. You've got people that came to him. And they heard him. But the question is. What did they do about it? We don't know. Because we weren't there. And we don't know those people. We do know about his 12 disciples. They did something about it. They didn't all of a sudden become perfect. They still had their struggles. They still had to grow. They had some fruit, and that fruit needed to ripen and, 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 and mature. And there were some things that they needed to trim in their lives, and God were actively working on it. But we know the disciples began to follow Jesus and, and became like Jesus. But the rest of the people, we don't know. But we're faced with that same question today as we come to the end of this passage and we come to the end of this sermon. You've been sitting here. You've been watching online or listening, and you've come to Jesus because you've given your attention to it. You've heard what he has to say and my best ability to try to communicate what he meant by that and how we can apply it to our lives. But the question is, is what are you going to do with it? What are you doing with it? And so that's what I leave you with this morning. That's this afternoon now. What are you going to do with what you've heard, not just today, but every time you come to Jesus, every time you come to his word, every time you paid attention to what he had to say. What are you going to do with it? Can I just challenge you? Put it into practice. It's not going to be easy. There's still areas I struggle with. Fully living out, fully fulfilling the best that I believe God has for me. But just be determined that I want all that stuff to come inside of me so it comes out of me. I'm going to follow good leaders. I'm going to let good influences. I'm going to make sure that good influences are coming into my life. And I'm going to try to cut off the bad influence. I'm not going to cut people off. That's not what I'm talking about. But, you know, I'm, going to, I'm not going to deliberately put stuff into my life that's going to mess me up spiritually. I want to be like Jesus for my own sake, but also for the people that are looking to me. For my kids, for my grandkids, for my great-grandkids, for some of you. For my co-workers, for my... Friends at school, for the people at school that don't consider me their friend, but I want to be an example of Jesus to them. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. The worship team would come, please.
Let's all stand together. I'm going to invite my wife to come, our elders, if you're part of the prayer team and you would like to come. We're going to close our service as we usually do, and we're going to have uh, the worship team sing a song, and as they do, I always challenge you. If you're standing here saying, that was a good word, and I really think I'm trying to live that out, even if you feel that way, I still encourage you to say, God, is there anything in there that I need to apply today? But if you say, I think I'm doing pretty good, and you want to sing along, you want to worship, that'd be a great way to respond. But I always challenge you to meditate on what you've heard and say, God, how does this apply to me? Can I tell you that if you're open and honest about that, God will speak to you. And I challenge you to respond to it by saying, God, I want to be like Jesus. In that area you're dealing with in my heart, in my life, what do you want me to do about it? And and just have that conversation with him. In a couple of moments, I'll come back and conclude our time in prayer. But in the meantime, if you need prayer, want prayer for yourself or anyone else, it can have to do with the message. It can have absolutely nothing to do with the message, but you just need prayer today. That's why we come down here at the end of the service so we can pray with you. If you need to start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you do that. So let's take a couple moments to do that, and then I'll come back. Either myself or my wife will come back to conclude our service in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's so much better his way. That was a good word Pastor brought today. Amen. But if we don't apply it to our lives, it's not done any good for us. We must not just merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. We must do what it says. Amen. I'm going to pray a blessing over you and then pastor's going to come and give some instructions. Father God, we praise you. We honor you, God. We magnify your holy name. We thank you for the privilege we have to serve you, God. And Lord, I just pray your blessings over these precious people, your people, God. Those that are here, those that are online watching, I pray your blessings over them physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and financially, oh God. And as we walk according to your word, Father, we know we're going to walk according to the, the promises you have for us. And we honor you and bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Pastor. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.